Good evening, Boston. Welcome to BNN News. I'm Faith Mathedon. Thanks for tuning in. Graphic novel and comic lovers gathered at Boston University where fantastical worlds, characters, and ideas came to life from the page. Last Saturday, the Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo was a beacon of light for lovers of graphic novels and comics, as hundreds of independent comic artists displayed their works for thousands to enjoy. Comics and graphic novels speak to us on an emotional level. They connect to us, um, and we connect to them because we can pour themselves into those simplistic characters. And it's not just about the, the writing or the drawing, it's about the writing and the drawing combining to create a level of empathy that we can all feel when we're reading it. This is why we pick up books and we feel really strongly about them, because they're empathy machines. From superheroes to romance novels to adventurous tales, there was certainly something for everyone. The thing that's special about comics is, is the combination of the writing and the drawing. It's like, it allows people two ways in to the content. You have, um, you know, you have people who might be more verbally based, who, who, who would read prose in any case, but uh, the visuals certainly pull in a different element. And I think the other thing that's special about comics right now is the diversity of stories that are being told. And I think the immediacy of, the, of words and pictures together uh, lets people absorb the stories more effectively and I think also could increase a certain amount of um, empathy by, uh, by seeing people's stories as well as reading them. The exciting thing about comic books for me is that it's a different way to tell a story. You're, you're mingling prose, which is so abstract, it's symbols on a page, with I images and you can blend the two together in a way that's completely unique. It's not like reading, it's not like watching a movie. You're interpreting all of these things at the same time in a completely different way and it's, it, the, you have the excitement of illustration and you have, you know, the, the nice quiet solitude of reading and it's all combined. And what do comic fans love most about their passion? It's accessibility and unique storytelling ability. It's really wonderful to be able to see right into the creator's mind with what they're writing and what they're drawing. So oftentimes with a book, we just imagine what the author wants us to see. But with a graphic novel or a comic, we see exactly what the creator wants us to see and their exact vision. And that's really amazing that you don't necessarily get with books or just in images. I think that graphic novels are better than um, regular books because when you read a graphic novel you're visually seeing what's going on you can see the character and it's just a lot easier to figure out what's going on versus having to read a chapter book and figure out what's going on from all the text and stuff with over 160 exhibitors this year mice is the longest running independent comics festival in new england and we're grateful to each and every one of the artists for providing a glimpse into their creative worlds. This week, the North End was full of pride as neighborhood residents watched a cherished community center become a historic piece of the city. On Tuesday, Mayor Michelle Wu joined city representatives to recognize the Nazaro Community Center as an official historical landmark preserving the cultural building in order to continue providing a community meeting place for Boston centers for youth and family. It's a space that has been stewarded by North Enders since the turn of the 20th century and throughout that time has been a benefit for everyone who has lived here. It's where hundreds of kids grew up, uh, played basketball poorly, 
uh, where families convened and where folks came together in the spirit of community to support one another. The Nazaro is a space where people from all backgrounds came to feel camaraderie or to find camaraderie, where they felt welcomed, seen, and valued. The Nazaro Center embodies the character of this community, and it's incredible that its history will be preserved for future generations. With this designation, we will be able to recognize and celebrate our culture and set a model for those who come after us, not to just care for this building, but to care for one another. First opened in 1906 as a public bathing house and gymnasium, the building was repurposed in 1985 as a community center. It was renamed after State Representative Michael Nazaro Jr., a World War II veteran and advocate for the neighborhood's preservation. The importance of preservation, in addition to safeguarding those important events and recognizing the people associated with places, and the distinctive qualities of places. There's also the aspect of environmental stewardship, that we retain buildings for their significance, for the benefit of present and future generations, but that we also make those decisions that are environmentally sound. The building is marked by its distinctive features, such as the terracotta exterior, stone window frames, and unique entrance, all inspired by the Villa Medici in Rome. I think if this building was taken down, the neighborhood would lose so much history. People growing up here, people playing here, the kids who use this center constantly, every day. We have children here every day, teens here every day, seniors here every day. If we didn't have this building, we'd lose a fabric. We'd lose some fabric for this neighborhood. But this community center is really at the heart of this neighborhood. Uh, has been the uh, you know the focal point. It's literally in the center of the neighborhood, and it's been the focal point for the youth of this neighborhood, for the for the seniors of this neighborhood, for community uh, uh, meetings, for you know for debates and discussions about how to move forward as a community. And so, preserving it and making it something uh, that will be here for generations to come uh, is very important and, and and something that I think folks need to you know recognize exactly the people that have come before us. Uh, that helped build this community uh, and, uh, and, and the people that will be after us and they will continue to keep this community strong. This comes after Mayor Wu and the Boston City Council's designation of 15 other historic buildings in the past two years. And luckily for the people of Boston, this small piece of our city will remain a staple of the community for generations to come. Last Friday, Mayor Michelle Wu held a press conference to share exciting new developments regarding digital equity and community inclusion. Digital equity expansion takes another leap forward as Mayor Michelle Wu announced over $5 million in grants awarded to Boston to increase digital equity efforts last Friday. Many groups will benefit from the development, particularly seniors. It's absolutely critical for, uh, for, our, for, our, for our senior citizens to have the opportunity to be connected, to have the devices they need, and to have the skills that they need to use uh, laptops, tablets, to be able to connect with family, to be able to connect with government services, and to be able to participate in society. The COVID-19 pandemic revealed the importance of digital literacy and access to prevent social isolation. 32,000 Boston households lacked broadband access at the start of the pandemic. That number is now 14,000, and the hope is that it will continue to decrease with more program intervention. In order to combat isolation among seniors in this digital age, 
we have to really focus on getting on the ground and, and supplying not only just devices and internet to seniors, but classes that tailor to their needs and, and meet them where they are and, and explain things to them so that they're not afraid of technology, but rather embrace it. And so that they can talk to loved ones, go to doctor's appointments, or even just buy JetBlue tickets, who knows? Um, but it's really important because seniors are oftentimes forgotten when it comes to technology and we don't want them to be left behind as more and more things in the world are technology based. Especially after the pandemic we had a lot of social isolation and we've just seen that with the type of classes we've been able to offer with digital equity and getting Wi-Fi here and adding devices it's like night and day suddenly they feel connected to opportunities they're able to talk to people they're able to look things up um, and it just opens the whole world to them and we really think that it's our people our BHA seniors who need to be at the front of digital equity not the back um, and we're really putting them first with this initiative. The funding will provide internet connectivity to Boston Housing Authority residents, as well as residents enrolled in the Affordable Connectivity Program. With access and confidence using digital tools, all city residents will thrive. If you're looking for the best party in town, look no further than the Reggie Lewis Track and Athletic Center, where city residents on the other side of 60 showed off their footwork and flair at the annual Latinx Heritage Month celebration hosted by Aid Strong Commission. Energy was high as quick beats enticed feet to the dance floor at the Reggie Lewis Center Wednesday. Over 400 age-strong seniors gathered to celebrate Latinx Heritage Month. Festivities saw seniors dancing, eating, and enjoying each other's company. I am grateful to be here, to be able to um, interact with other communities and to share my heritage, my Latin heritage, and to share with other communities there cultural um, heritage. I am grateful to be in community. This event is important for many reasons, but first of all, people get to come together, they get to stay socially connected, um, they get to have a fabulous time, they're dancing up a storm in there, um, and meeting old friends that they haven't seen in a while, and that is healthy for people to stay socially connected. Also, we get to honor um, people's heritage, which is so important because the United States is a country that's built on immigrants, and honoring heritage um, is a thing that we all need to be doing, honoring and valuing where people come from. And no matter where they came from, these seniors were met with joy and care all afternoon, fully seen and appreciative of each other and the chance to be close. These types of events are extremely important in terms of tackling social isolation, being able to bring communities together individuals together so they could be within their village, within communities. Additionally, to be able to bring ethnicities together and be able to celebrate your cultural differences together co cohesively is extremely important. These types of events do exactly that, especially for the Latinx community to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. If the spirits on the bus going home were any indication, these seniors had the best time. It's very interesting to see seniors of different ages from 65 to almost 100, and the, the music goes on, everybody is moved, they all dance, some are holding hands, some are clapping, and uh, it is the Spanish heritage we are honoring. So thank you, Boston Strong Seniors, for letting us celebrate with you today, and for just being who you are.
Advocates at Aid Strong will help older adults with the annual Medicare open enrollment, which starts Sunday, October 15th and ends Thursday, December 7th. Seniors can make an appointment to review their current medical and prescription drug coverage, as well as learn if they're eligible for the Medicare Savings Program by calling Aid Strong at 617-635-4366. If you find yourself traveling down Blue Hill Avenue, make sure to look up. The Greater Grove Main Streets and the New England Patriots Foundation came together to recognize Boston's most admired, beloved, and successful black women leaders of the past 300 years. To commemorate their achievements, 212 banners will line the streets for a 1.8-mile route down Blue Hill Avenue, each one featuring a portrait of a black woman who changed the world for the better around her. Executive Director of Greater Grove Hall Main Streets, Ed Gaskin, and commissioned artist Kamali Thornell joined us in studio to talk about the Black Women Lead Banner Project and why highlighting accomplishments of Black women leaders is so important. Enjoy the conversation. I'm so excited to talk about this Black Women Lead Banner Project. Ed, can you tell me about the genesis of these banners? How did this project come to be? In, a, in one true sense, it came from the fact that my um, grandmother and my great aunt both graduated from college during the time of the Depression, 1929 and 1934. So, and I, so the family have had everybody uh, as college graduates. And um, in some ways, uh, capturing the fact that I've had these great women leaders in my own family, uh, this was a way to do something in their memory. Mm. I love that. And there are 212 women who are celebrated on these banners. 212 is a very specific number. Can you talk a little bit about how you went about selecting these women? Sure. So we did things like we tried to get as much community process as possible. So we had um, ads in the Bay State Banner. We had ballots in places like the Grove Hall Library and Freedom House. Um, we uh, word of mouth, black historians, people who had an interest in black history and anybody that had ever made a list before. So if there was any list you and you're on it, you got on it, um, you could nominate yourself. You didn't have to be nominated. Uh, we had people's PR firms calling us. We had people with small groups trying to get their friends to call. But it wasn't based on popularity or votes. You just needed one nomination. And then we, we researched every uh, single person. Um, so there were certain things that became true. So anybody that was typically the first of something, first black woman doctor, first black woman lawyer, first black woman dentist, first black woman nurse, um, judge, um, first black woman to do something, that was always a, a key. First black woman mayor, first black woman congresswoman, like all those first black women to do something. Hmm. Um, all the people who are founders, presidents, CEOs, um, all those titles, those were important. Another set were um, people who had things named after them, right? Oh. So there's lots of buildings. Uh, so the thinking there was, 
um, that you probably didn't get your name on the building because you left a million dollar, ten million dollar donation. You probably did something that the community came along. So there's a couple uh, different women that have scholarships named after them. Mm. Um, then there's buildings, right? So Melanie Cass has a building. Um, there's another center over there. Frederica Williams has a building. Rubina Guscott has a building. So there's all these <laughs> black women that have stuff named after them. So that's a testimony to who they are. Um, then there's people who did things that were special or unique um, that we thought were important to the black community. So mm -hmm. we wanted to define leadership broadly. So you have, uh, there's a woman there that had 50 foster children. There's a woman there that was a foster grandmother who did that for 25 years and stopped at age 95 and kept oh. going. So she was one of the people that we were able to honor, etc. So we felt that things like that were a special contribution to the black community. We wanted to recognize leadership in a number of different ways. And um, the other part that was really key is that we worked with Mother Caroline Academy and we gave them lists of names, and the students then helped select people by class. Mm. When I saw that each student, each group, was giving different names, I thought, wow, this is really great because these young ladies are learning about resiliency and black history and all the stuff about other black women, meaning that whatever you wanted to do, more likely than not, there was a black woman that has already gone before you from the same community. So first black woman um, fireman, first black woman police officer, first black, there's a black woman football player on the list, wow. black woman running the, uh, the Boston Marathon. So <clears throat> the idea, and so there's, um, there's three librarians on the list, there's two hairdressers on the list, there's um, Ma Dixon from the restaurant, right? So you have Ma Dixon who then teaches Bob, who becomes Bob the chef, then becomes Daryl's. So you see that whole history. Women leaders, uh, Bishop Nellie Yarborough, Bishop Barbara Harris, Reverend Liz Walker, Reverend Gloria White Hammond. So you see all the ministry people. Wow. So the idea is whatever occupation you as a young lady think you want to do, there's already been a black woman from Boston that has done it. Hmm. And if there isn't, then there's been many people who have been the first and you can be the first too. That is so incredible. I, I'm just like so hyped just <laughs> thinking about these powerful black women uh, facing uh, all of Blue Hill Avenue. Uh, Kamali, I would love to bring you into the conversation as one sure, of the two sure. artists behind these incredible portraits. Can you talk about um, what was most exciting for you to, um, to do as you worked on this? And what were some of the challenges that you faced uh, depicting these women? Uh, it was a, a really fun year. It took a while. Ed and I talked for a while uh, leading up to uh, being selected. Um, I mean, so it was exciting. I just tried to make myself really available to you and, um, you know, supportive. Um, I had just done a similar project for Lexington uh, the year before, and so that's how we got connected. Um, I guess, the, you know, it's just I have an art background, so the opportunity to create and, um, and really focus on, on my art, um, that's what's exciting about it. That's, that's part of what's fun. This was a great project to be a part of. I come from Boston. So, um, you see, your mother knew a lot of the people. Yeah, yeah. My mother is, um, yeah, a lot of them were her peers and mm. friends. And so I got to meet some of them. My mother was at this, the brunch that sort of kicked it off. And uh, I got one of the things I thought was funny is like his mother would be like, You haven't did that person right. They're too dark. Oh, yeah, too yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. She was, she, she had some suggestions and I had to send it through her a couple of times and get her approval. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, seeing just so many parts of this, where, you know, seeing Ed's kind of leadership kind of bring this idea into some something real 
was um, just a great example of leadership. Um, seeing all of these faces, I was kind of immersed in these faces and portraits for, um, for the better part of a year. Wow. Um, folks I, I didn't know, some of the names I had heard, like I said, some of them were, were uh, peers of my family, uh, Benari uh, Wiley. She's, uh, she was the roommate of a, a friend of mine who's uh, a mm -hmm. friend of my family's. Um, but, um, you know, taking the, getting time to look these names up, see who these people were, um, and just, I think as you go down that street, go down Blue Hill Avenue, you'll see some, these 200 portraits that go on as long as you can see. And you can just pick a name and look them up, and there's somebody who's done some great contribution to this city. So, um, I mean, that's the, that's the most exciting part of it. Being able to be, to create and be a part of this and contribute to something so important um, with, you know, something that I love was just, it's, it's just not even work. It's, it's just fun. You worked with Brianna Young, the yeah. second artist uh, for yeah. this. Yeah. So as creatives, both of you, I'm sure, are coming into this with your own unique styles. How, what was the conversation like getting on the same page with how to illustrate uh, these women? Well, I think the advantage was you had, Ed had sort of a sample set of five, I think, or four that were done. Mm -hmm. So um, to be a part of the, the project initially, I had to submit an image that was sort of in the style of, of what they had already done. And uh, so that worked out okay. And, and then, so I thought we were close to it. So again, not knowing this, because these digital files, uh, there was a lot of nuances to them. Yeah. And so uh, he'd be like, Ed, uh, these ones have a slight gray or blue background, yeah, yeah. or, um, or uh, I'm, just, I'm trying to think of um, how to explain it. There was like a lot of stuff to do we didn't see till the end. So yeah. like Brianna would be like, you didn't tell me that was part of the color palette. And yeah. I was like, I didn't know. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so it would have been nice if I would have harmonized all the stuff <laughs> in the beginning, but I didn't know till we got further into it. So the styles were similar, but there were smaller details and nuances that showed up towards the end that we had to work out. Yeah, I think that's part of just kind of managing a creative project. It's like some things are kind of developing as you go along, something that takes this long. I feel like, um, you know, th we knew what we were working towards, like what the style was more or less. Um, you know, my son, my, my kids are some of my critics, or, you know, they offer critique and they'd be in there while I was drawing. I think Brianna said something similar. And her daughter came in, who are these people? And she had some comment about, these are great women in Boston. But, but having our kids there, like, kind of looking at them, um, my son said, uh, that's part of the fun of it is that they look a little different too. You know what I mean? So when you look up there and see them, you'll see that, you know, there are sort of two different styles in the same theme. Brianna and I collaborated in the beginning, trying to get to make sure we were kind of in the same area with the color palette, sharing some emails and stuff, and, and she was great. Um, I think at a certain point down the road, I asked some of Deborah, is it Jackie, who was helping us, I just said, I, you know, I haven't seen anything. Are they lo looking like they're going to work well together? And she mm. said, yeah, they are. So you're going to be all right. So that was good. How can our viewers um, learn more about this project and see these banners for themselves? Well, there's two things. Um, <clears throat> one, they can drive down Blue Hill Avenue from Seaver Street to West Cottage is where it's going to be in the end. There will be like 1.8 miles of banners, uh, all but probably 30 of them are up right now. Mm. Um, uh, Reverend, uh, sorry, Reverend, Representative Chris Worrell is actually working on perhaps we will have a march or parade or something to walk down Blue Hill Avenue so we can walk past all the banners. My, uh, my vision there was 
father's daughters, oh, mother's wow. family, make it whole family friendly, and you just sort of walk, and you can talk about people who you know, who you don't know. Um, and then the Boston Public Library and Northeastern Public Library, uh, sorry, Northeastern University have joined the project, and so they're working on creating uh, Wikipedia pages and more information mm -hmm. for all the women up there. So the people who are more obscure that you may or may not know will have information for all of them. And part of the reason why that's important is because when we were doing the project, and black teachers heard about it, they said this is something that we'd love to have for the classroom. Mm. And they felt that there were more role models for young boys than there were for young girls, and so they thought having this wide range of successful role models of black leaders would be helpful for the black girls, the students in the classroom, and so then it's like, okay, how do we then make this curriculum or make it available? And this is particularly important in an age where, you know, learning about black history and critical race theory and being woke is so negative. Mm -hmm. And I also feel personally that we have to rewrite the narrative on black women, that the, their history is missing, it's forgotten, it's distorted. And so this is a way to like correct that history and bring it, and bring it forward. Thanks for tuning in, Boston. As a reminder, you can stream or watch the news on demand at bnnmedia.org. Each episode will be rebroadcast at 9.30 p.m. and 11 p.m. on Xfinity Channel 9, Astound Channel 15, and Fios Channel 2161. And make sure to check out our BNN HD Xfinity Channel 1072. You can also hear us on the radio Fridays at 7.30 and 9 p.m. and Monday through Thursday at 9 p.m. For BNN News, I'm Faith Mathedon, and I'll see you next Friday.